Desiree, as a director, you have a lot to learn about a woman's needs. A vice cop? I feel used and violated. A movie with so much wooden dialogue, you could build a house with it. We're still up all night, and this episode, we watched an ode to 80s hair and makeup, Vice Academy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to USA Up All Night with me, Rhonda. Hi, I'm Gilbert Godfrey, the comedian in the cupboard for USA Up All Night. In this movie, you'll see two of your favorite stars. Now, if you drink enough beer, you'll start seeing more of your favorite stars. Stay with me on USA Up All Night. Welcome to Still Up All Night, the only podcast in the known universe that celebrates the films of USA's Up All Night series. I'm Travis. I'm Rob. And we are still in our quarantine specials here. Uh, I am once again coming from the Still Up All Night studios. And Rob, you are where this month? Uh, Same place, my dining room table. All right, where the magic happens. And we're here (laughs) to remind you that the B in B movies this month stands for Beautiful Hair and Makeup, which was a staple of this episode's film, Vice Academy. Rob, initial thoughts on this month's film so in in quick research i learned that there are actually six movies in the series and i'm just blown away that they made it beyond the first one uh, it's bad it's every part of it's bad yeah th- this film was made in 1989 and it was touted as a sexy spoof of police academy and it was uh, so sexy and so spoofy that it was released straight to video instead of even getting a theatrical <laughs> release and it initially aired on usa up all night on march 23rd 1990 and not only were there six of them but vice academy alone played a total of six times on usa up all night during its run and it's categorized in, I guess, what could only be called the trashy sex comedy subgenre. Would you say that's fair, Rob? I, it's fair, but I think it's somewhat of a stretch as, um, you know, in, in full disclosure, I, I anticipated significantly more nudity than the movie actually has. When, when you read the premise and you see the stars and it, it begins and, and you're some of that is brought, you know, within the first few minutes, and then that's pretty much it, you know. So it, yeah, it, it as I said, it's a, a bit of a stretch to to put it in that group. Yeah, there's more. I mean, there's certainly we had boobs within the first ten minutes, uh, but there's there's more references to sex than actually, you know, seeing any nudity or sex acts or anything like that there was one scene that we'll talk about a little later that that was kind of ooh, okay a little borderline for what was going on but other than that yeah it was not as um salacious as you might think especially considering who um is in it and we'll talk about that in a second as well so um this film was made by uh, rick sloan and as you mentioned he would go on to make five sequels for a total of six Vice Academy films that's just insane and he's probably best known for the 1988 film Hobgoblins which was a low budget spoof of Gremlins so we're seeing he also made a sequel to that yeah and they are both horrible (laughs) 
So I should have known what I was getting myself into with this one. Yeah, I, I, we, we definitely see his niche, which is, which is low, low budget spoofs of popular films, but uh, not always in a successful way. I mean, this is an odd movie in that it it comes off as a parody film, but it's I mean, it's it, it's not really spoofing anything specific crime films, I guess. Obviously, Police Academy with the name and, and it's a it's it is a, about uh, academy cadets yeah. uh but police academy police academy is kind of almost like a spoof of, of of the crime genre itself anyway so you're getting like a copy of a copy of a spoof film well i film. even saw it referred to as a a spoof of a spoof there you go in terms of police academy but they also said it was a spoof of charlie's angels and i you know aside from the the sort of the police officers being women, I see no other, you know, connection to that, you know, series in any way, shape or form. I came across that in my research as well, and I didn't get it or make the connection either. So I don't, I don't think we were missing anything there. Um, I think it was a loose, loose stretch there for whoever, whoever called it that. And and I did find it interesting too, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you saw this, that it actually won a USA Network B-movie award for best picture <laughs> and was like the highest rated movie to premiere on USA Up All Night. Well, now I'm wondering if one of the reasons for that is who it stars. <laughs> former, <laughs> <I think so. laughs> former adult actress Ginger Lynn Allen, known in the adult video circles as Ginger Lynn, uh, playing the role of Holly. And then you have Lene Quigley, who plays Dee Dee here. And Quigley gets top billing. Uh, you know, she's a, a classic 80s scream queen. We have Jack Lalonde to thank, Rob, for her gracing our presence on screen. <laughs> when Quigley's family moved to L.A. in the 70s, she worked at a Jack Lalonde spa, and she that's where she was encouraged to try acting. And uh. she got her big break as the character Trash in 1985's Return of the Living Dead. And she had a nice reign in the late 80s as a scream queen, starring in films like Night of the Demons, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and a film on our to-do list here on the Still Up All Night podcast, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. So uh, stay tuned for that in future episodes. I didn't realize she was in that one. Yes. Because I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Demons. Love both those movies and and her performance in both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she's in it. And then, of course, the, the attempt here... Uh, for Ginger Lynn Allen, you know, she was well known on the adult uh, film circuit in the 80s. And uh, this is this film was one of several attempts for uh, by her to go mainstream. Mm-hmm. She actually had a small part as Dove in Young Guns 2, which would be her oh. uh, most widely known film, but a very small part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she's it appears in a number of low budget films and then some one off appearances in random TV series mm-hmm. like Stil- Silk Stockings and NYPD Blue. She would actually return to the adult film industry in the late 90s. And it looks like she stayed there through about 2010. So, well, interestingly enough, her her initial foray into the adult film industries when she was underage. That's, ah. that's sort of her, you know, initial claim to fame. So let's talk about why that there's some irony in that, because, <laughs> you know, this this film kind of meanders. Uh, uh, you've got this cold open 
of Dee Dee, uh, played by Lene Quigley, um, you know, making an arrest of some guys doing a drug deal in a parking lot. And then, uh, boom, we're off and running. We're, we're in the academy. And th- this is where you automatically, well, first, it's, it's, it's interesting because you get the sense of what you're in for here when the opening credits roll and it's all women. Yeah. <laughs> which is great, except considering the type of kind of exploitation film this is, it's like, oh, well, okay, maybe not. But um, I, I will yeah. say to its credit, it, the opening was a phenomenal, again, just 80s synth jam full of, you know, sexual innuendo about, you know, uh, your gun, basically, and, and every <laughs> analogy you can make for a gun, you know, and a, and a, you know, male parts you can think of. It, yes. it, it hits all of them. And that I, I thought we were off to a good start with that. Yeah, I, I did, too. And then we get into the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> which is full of about uh, 15 gals and one guy for yes. some reason. Yes. Um, it, that it never really was explained. Because apparently the vice squad, um, the only sort of action they take is to to dress as uh, women of the night. You know, there's no other (laughs) undercover operation that this police station goes through. Right. (laughs) And so uh, our poor guy, Dwayne, is is who the solo uh, male is in the uh, with all these cadets. And we just kind of we go through some awkward training uh, segments and and whatnot. And then about 23 minutes in, the film does a 180 degree turn when Dee Dee and her partner, Shawnee, uh, who just finish up an epic Tony Monero staying alive strut down <laughs> a, uh, what appears to be a New York street, when they stumble across a uh, beat up uh, adult film actress named Cherry Pop. And the music then turns really ominous as Cherry Pop explains how she left home at 16 and got into adult films. And now she's trying to leave the business to start a workout program. But her director is acting like a pimp and won't let her go. So there's our irony here of Ginger Lynn getting into the uh, adult industry underage. And yet her character in the movie is the exact opposite of that she is the much more prim and proper chief of police's daughter uh, and somewhat of a a teacher's pet in the class and already has a number of arrests under her belt and is you know assured the valedictorian seat in upon graduation which is is looming and that's sort of the the additional premise is there's a time constraint to all of this is all the students must have 10 arrests under their belt in order to graduate. Yes, and uh, you know it's it's interesting because Holly, the Gingerlands character, I don't even recall ever seeing her outside of the academy. She she doesn't have actually much of a role here besides, you know, being they, the. It's the one scene after they've put the um, the the sticker on her back that you know identifying her as a vice <laughs> cop. And she spends That's hours right. out on the streets yeah. and no one will approach her. 
in <laughs> such a only time we see her outside of the academy. It's such a poorly uh, shot scene <laughs> for a number of reasons. One is this the the card, the sticker that they put on her back. She can clearly she should be able to clearly see when she's looking in the mirror or feel, yeah. And then when she walks off the screen, I don't know if you notice that out of the the bathroom, she just stops. And she's still in the in the scene. In I missed that. The, and uh, yeah, I had to rewind it just to make sure that she's wearing like a red dress that's that's a that pops, and so you could see her then kind of walk off set and then stop before she gets off camera. So I was like, oh boy. I that's... think there were I I counted a, f- a few similar scenes to that, like the if you remember the the uh, on the obstacle course when uh Dwayne decides to um lay down on the uh the tire run there's a, a quick cut where where obviously all the the students are in workout gear because they're you know on an obstacle course working out and then all of a sudden when they show him laying down supposedly looking up everyone's shorts i guess i don't know suddenly yeah. two women jump over him that are in dresses and wearing heels it's a super <laughs> quick cut but <laughs> i guess where some, did they come from <laughs> well i guess someone figured out wait a minute everybody's in workout gear he's not really looking at anything <laughs> Let, you know we have to let's, add this in <laughs> let's throw in quickly two uh ladies in dresses so he can do this yes <clears throat> yeah um Okay, so this leads then to um, uh, Dee Dee and Shawnee, and uh, for some reason they they are going to pair up with Dwayne to go undercover and um, take down this um, whole operation of... of, uh, Underage porn. Yes, yes. And um, in, in posing as... Uh, an undercover adult actress, Dee Dee swoons over Chucky Long, played by Stephen Stewart, who's a name that you probably don't recognize. I didn't recognize it. I'm sure you didn't recognize Did not, it. Not at all. Um, the introduction of Chucky is hilarious. I mean, you just you forget <laughs> how crazy 80s style and fashion was. I mean, he shows up in leather pants and studded snakeskin leather jacket and of course fabulous feathered blonde hair yep and you know just a a character that 10 years later would be you know being spoofed in film and yet here we are and he's the object of everyone's immediately swooned over yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) um and the whole undercover operation is almost ruined when shawnee and Dwayne, who are sitting outside in a van that by the way (laughs) is parked in the middle of the street during an undercover investigation. Yeah, Chucky so. actually has to drive around the, the truck in or, or the van in order to park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go from the point of needing to catch them in the act to then listening to one of Shawnee's favorite bands, Severe Tire Damage. Um, a fun fact about severe tire damage, Rob. Oh, it's a deep dive. Here we go. Yeah, so this band is known as a geek band. It's an actual band because it's comprised of a bunch of tech guys, and they were the first band to play live on the internet. Whoa. Can you believe that? I cannot. They were playing at Xerox Palo Alto Research Center where other tech people were working on a project involving broadcasting over the internet and i 
I guess they heard this band playing and decided to test out their equipment on them. And so, um, and this is all in Wired magazine. Um, they And it's their claim to fame is severe tire damage was the first uh, band to ever be played live on the internet. And, and probably now the most interesting part of this entire movie. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they arrest the uh the whole gang in a very clumsy <laughs> poorly written just poorly everything scene yeah, yeah. uh that we heard at the top of the episode and um but it's not going to stick because uh Didi uh had to uh in pretending to be an adult actress actually had to be one because uh Shawnee and Dwayne were out in the the van listening to severe tire damage and didn't get in in time to stop the act. Yeah, missed missed their cue and right. Uh, so she had to go through with, through with it with Chucky and uh, apparently loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Didn't mind at all, but it it uh, means that they can't hold them, uh, and and the arrests won't stick. So, um, you know, this is a film of just so many awkwards. Um, after making the arrests at the adult film set, Dee Dee takes Chucky back to her house <laughs> and handcuffs him to what appears to be a dirty sink. Yes. And and they proceed to have the most awkward sex scene where <laughs> Dee Dee keeps yelling, scene one, take two, scene one, take three. I mean, wasn't she just passionate about breaking up an underage porn ring? Yeah. <laughs> and now she's turned on by it and, and using it. Uh, for role play in in her apartment with with her a porn star with her fully clothed porn star that <laughs> yes. that she's essentially kidnapped and and cuffed in in her home. Uh, yeah. What 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 were you thinking about when that scene? I mean, that was I, the scene I was talking about where I'm like, okay, well, this is this is what I would expect at least out of, out of a movie like this. Well, I mean, yeah, the the second and last nudity scene of the movie is this one where uh, she takes her top off, but you know, again, they're, they're fully clothed. And as you said, it's just very awkward. And um, it's almost like the director just said, ah, use the previous scene as, you know, your, uh, I don't know what the right word is at this point, sort of your, what fuels this go. And, and your motivation, no, yeah, right. your motivation. There's no real like guidance. There's no real written scene. So she's like, uh, yeah, scene one, take two, <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of uh, does this thing for a minute, and yeah, awkward and and weird. I, I just yeah. yeah, and it you know it it was weird because one of the conversations that Holly had with Dee Dee was that she wasn't passionate about anything you know why are you even here she <laughs> yeah. said and so then the girls met uh cherry pop and all of a sudden they seemed passionate they really wanted to break this uh underage uh you know adult porn ring up yeah. porn ring up and so that's why it was made so awkward because you went from being passionate about it to using it to get turned on so it just was really awkward and so and i soon- guess the, the underlying assumption there is that that Chucky would be the male actor involved in all this underage, you know, sex that's being filmed by this this porn group, and 
now suddenly all is forgiven and and you know as we see he ends up becoming a good guy <laughs> yeah she was playing an underage actress so chucky would yeah. have thought that she was underage <laughs> and that didn't seem to bother her at all so i mean we're looking to make sense here of a narrative that probably <laughs> A script that was probably written at a bar in a span of a couple hours. So um, I think we might be working harder than the than Rick Sloan did uh, yes. in crafting this. But so then there was another really awkward moment almost in the next scene when Dee Dee and Holly are back at the academy and they they have they're out on the training uh, course again and they have just the most awkward fight scene where they just <laughs> roll around outside in the grass while a royalty-free version of what I'm pretty sure is Grease Lightning plays underneath. Oh, I didn't even catch that. It is so bad and so awkward. And our good friend Leaf Green from Episode 1, Joysticks, who played Davey in Grease 2, would just be abhorred that they used a generic (laughs) version of Grease Lightning in this movie. At least I assume he would be. Yeah, I was singing the lyrics along to the the beat and it was a perfect match I'm, i i was I'm, too uh just in in awe of the you know in quotes fight scene of yeah. you know it's like the i don't know they, they seem to do this in, in all sorts of poor movies where basically you just grab each other's shoulders mm-hmm. and then you know sway back and forth while shouting different things until you both fly to the ground or it gets broken up. Normally, yes, yeah. it, you know, you get five <laughs> seconds of that and then it gets broken up. This was about a minute and a half of yeah, it. Way too I don't long. know if, if if Sloan thought it was sexy because uh, it wasn't. I don't know what the whole purpose, but they just rolled all over this whole course. And um, so that was really awkward. And finally, at the 51 minute mark, we get to the actual plot, I guess, maybe. Um <laughs> So that's arguably an hour of exposition for Vice Academy and definitely a theme among our USA Up All Night movies um, with these long expositions. So the gang of Dee Dee, Shawnee, and Dwayne are assigned to an inner city prostitution ring. And Miss Thelma, who's been running the uh, this academy training in a very authoritarian way, she seems to be very pleased when Holly expresses concern about the five officers who were previously assigned to this case and quote never came back so uh miss thelma gives this devilish i know which i thought was going to indicate that she's somehow involved with the prostitution ring or uh this prostitution ring is led by uh, a character queen bee and i thought oh we were setting this up for miss thelma to be queen bee herself uh but no uh that that never happens and instead she just hated the girls so much that she was excited about the prospect of sending them to their deaths or or just failing and not graduating but i was right there with you i even a little bit before then i I sort of started down the path of okay she's going to be the ultimate bad guy that somehow Mm -hmm. she is wrapped up in either the the porn ring or the bigger sort of looming prostitution ring that they sort of pepper references throughout Uh, But, yeah, unfortunately not. (laughs) And because of the release then of all of the other um, people they arrested due to Dee Dee's uh, actions with Chucky, they have one night now to meet their quota of 10 arrests. Um, And so they're going to try to take out Queen Bee's operation to do so. And... (laughs) 
they arrest the first prostitute they see and i love how it, the very next scene they look back to the same spot and they say oh look there's another one and another <laughs> prostitute just walks up to the same spot i mean i laughed so hard just the thought of this dangerous prostitution ring that's made up of a conveyor belt of streetwalkers that well, just keep coming through it's exactly what it was it's apparently the the only spot in this territory you can stand and if it's vacated like a light goes off somewhere and someone just steps out of this belt and takes that place ah oh, geez so the three arrest several of the prostitutes um, who then overpower Dwayne and Shawnee and plan to take them conveniently to the warehouse around the corner, which I guess explains the conveyor belt because yeah. they're, <laughs> they're right around the corner. There's this really weird scene where a cop car, I think, comes flying by. Maybe it was an ambulance. Flips, right? The van flips, <laughs> goes flying sideways off the road, and then the the gals in it go, oh, call a tow truck. And then two minutes later, they're all at the warehouse. The van is fine. Dwayne and Shawnee are tied up. It was like, what? Again. Well, no, everyone is fine. Like the, the accident the van got in, I was like, oh, man. There, right. There's some of those, you know, because they're just loose people in the back of a van. I was like, a few yeah. of those people are dead. Everyone's hurt. And then it's like nothing, like that scene never happened. <sighs> I, was it was that an attempted spoof there? I mean, I don't or, know. I have no idea what that was. I, I afterwards I thought, did they forget to edit that out? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is that maybe there were some some other um, initial plans? Maybe this was shot at different times and the script changed during that time, and so it ended up playing. It was kept in the movie, but shouldn't have been. I mean, yeah. It was so out of place and so weird. Another awkward, fun, awkward moment. <laughs> um, okay, so Dee Dee's left then to to rescue these guys, and she has to make she has time to make one quick phone call. Who who what would you call? I mean, you're obviously a, Chucky, right? Not the not the police. <laughs> not you're backup. a police cadet. Don't call for backup. Call Chucky, who is still handcuffed in her apartment. Well, I loved the the little part too, and and I'm sure you caught it where. The uh, at the start of the movie, the arrest we see Holly make. It is the same guy. The drug dealer from that arrest is one of Queen Bee's henchmen. The the only uh, again one of the only no. men yeah. around the um, the yin to uh, Dwayne's yang, uh, if, if we will. Yeah, um, yeah. So instead of calling for backup, um, she calls Chucky, uh, who gets out of the handcuffs and we finally then meet queen bee who has a of course beehive hairdo walks around with a bottle of honey which she constantly licks and has a what appears to be a large red stinger attached to the rear lower of her back lower back <laughs> uh, so awkward um for no like no reason that's ever explained other does than, not serve other than it, it connects her name but <laughs> right and I don't know if you noticed, Rob, but in the in Queen Bee's warehouse, there's a string with a bunch of money hanging by clothespins. So oh, I didn't see that. Get it? They're laundering money. Yeah, I was so... I was too focused on uh, the warehouse <laughs> being full of boxes that were obviously empty. Right. I mean, it, is your is your lair an Amazon Prime warehouse? What are all these boxes just doing? 
stacking stacked around. Up. And, yeah. and not only stacked up, but stacked up so as to create a maze. Ah, a maze that she doesn't know, even though it's her own warehouse. So what, what I think she calls it a, a hive of a, a hive of mazes or something like something like that. Yeah, I just have have maze written down. I don't remember it having a yeah. a, a grander name than that. But yeah, she when when it comes time for their escape, she can't even find her own way out of it. Yeah, they, they made another a, a pun, another bee pun when she's when she references the the wave, uh, honeycomb. I think she called it a honeycomb yeah, of yeah, mazes. Right, so right. there you go. That's what it was. Um, Okay, so a predictable finish here is Dee Dee and Chucky show up at their warehouse. They rescue Dwayne and Shawnee, and the foursome capture the Queen Bee and her group, aka the Bee Girls. Um, and they show up to graduation, woohoo, just in time <laughs> to meet their arrest quota and graduate. Uh, and Rob, nobody was happier than I when the gals see their graduation caps in the air because it meant the movie was over. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, I mean, there was other stuff that had cherry pop returns. Yeah. And so they're able to, they find, you find out that she uh, told her story to the police. And so they, they were able to make all of the arrests of the original underage porn group. Chucky which, is. Which actually yeah. pushed them over the edge because the, in the, the beehive, they only had nine arrests. So they were one short. Mm. So cherry oh. pop coming onto the scene and having told her story to the police allowed those original arrests to still hold, which put them over the cap of 10. Well, and, remember... And pushed them to the head of the class. Yes, there it is. Because remember, first Chucky made the selfless act... Oh, that's he's going to sacrifice himself. ...of saying, you can arrest me. I'll be the 10th. <laughs> and then we find out that the that the porn uh, arrests stuck. And then, yes, they then they go to the head of the class, leapfrogging Holly... Uh, and the three of them are uh, named valedictorians in, in what is just the most sad-looking graduation I have ever seen. You know, in, a, in a, uh, an open field that is mostly dirt and not grass, <laughs> and an open air, you know, uh, uh, half-shell sort of pavilion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with with no guests attending, so nobody's no. family's there to congratulate these these you know young now vice cops, <laughs> and just a couple old dirty wooden benches. Yeah, yeah, it was it was so bad, so. But sad. they do manage to set up a sequel in there too. So it, yeah, and then as we know it. It carries on for five more movies. Yeah, we get some credits with photos of all the characters, and then we get a class photo that says, class most likely to be uh, awarded a sequel. And a collective groan, if this was in a theater, probably <laughs> would emit, because, oh, you're going to make more of these? Wait, you're going to make five more of these? I, I think I have seen one of the other ones. Um, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I, sure. I'm, I'm sure, and I have to think they're better, because this was just so bad. Yeah, this was this was um, for the introduction of a six-part series. <laughs> I, I was just amazed. Uh, I, I do believe they got a little better. That's uh, in doing the research. It sounds like uh, some improvements were made, uh, but boy, the original is is just. It's just bad, Rob. It's just yeah. really, really bad, and not in a not in a good way. 
not in an endearing way. Exactly. Not so bad. It's good. Not there are Mm -hmm. are elements of it that can at least uh, carry you through. Um, You know, and and in some cases, you know, sometimes it's just the nudity. You know, it's it's enough when you're, you know, a, a teen watching these up all night movies. That's sometimes what carries you through. Sometimes it's bad humor or bad effects or those little components. And this lacks all of that. Yeah, it, this is the type of movie that if, you know, uh, my but my 13-year-old buddy calls me, I, we, we can talk for 20 minutes about, you know, uh, girls and Tecmo Bowl and, <laughs> and school stuff. And then I can just come back to this movie and not care that I've missed 20 minutes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and just jump right, right back into it. And or, I'm sure or decide tonight's night I just go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this was the ten o'clock movie that kicked off, uh, I might have tapped out. Uh, maybe the midnight one uh, when I could zone out a little more, I might have stuck around. I'm sure I've seen. I don't. I don't have a lot of recollections of this one. Um, but I, I'm sure. I, yeah, I don't have any. I've none of this one. Um, but seeing the number of times that both this one and the others played i'm I'm sure we've been exposed (laughs) yeah it's like it's like COVID 19 i'm sure we've been exposed (laughs) we just don't have symptoms (laughs) that's all aka remembering it or liking it or anything you know it was funny because we talked a little bit about uh how our viewing of of the film was going in preparation for the episode and you had referenced just being bored i'm just bored uh, the whole time and that never i never changed that opinion throughout the viewing and i was running into an issue because this was on streaming and i was having issues with my internet all week and so just to get through this i mean i was watching this on like dial-up speed (laughs) and so i'd I'd, i just wanted it to be over and it would go for a couple minutes and then it'd freeze and it'd have to load some more because i was using my phone as a hotspot, and it was just Oh, it was, I'm telling you, if I had a hat on, I would have thrown it up with the, with the gals at the <laughs> well, end I, there. I appreciate your effort. That's a, a Herculean feat there mm. to I'll give it the time to load to watch a few <laughs> more minutes of a bad movie. Listen, it, we've got deadlines, so we, we've got we've to hit that, that first of the month deadline. So, um, all right, Rob, let's see what others are saying about Vice Academy. Um, go Going back to... The film review aggregate site Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think the audience rating is um, on the scale of zero to one hundred for so Vice Academy? In my research, I, I did my best to avoid seeing that. Uh, I, I did see one quote from from Rotten Tomatoes, so I, I'm I'm going with it being low, and I'll give it twenty two percent. Uh, rather ambitious guess there. Rob, this film has a 0% fresh oh. rating <laughs> with 209 ratings given. Oh gosh, 209, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a couple uh, references. Sean W. gives it one star and wrote, Police Academy-inspired film produced almost as many sequels. Aspiring officers in the Vice Squad take down a prostitution ring. Poor initial effort. So, pretty good summary, and I agree with that. Um, Carl N. gave it two stars, but with a caveat, saying, Cheesy 80s slapstick farce. I would give this film no stars, 
but I decided to give it two. One for Ginger Lynn Allen and one for Lene Quigley. They're the only good things in this film. Well, I, I will say along those lines that her acting, Linnea's acting ability just far exceeds everyone, everyone else's else. in this movie. It's like so obvious that, uh, and I don't know where this falls in her career, but either she's just naturally better than everybody or is far more experienced than everybody else. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, not that it was, you know, off the charts, but no, it was no, no. definitely above. And I think this is still fairly early. Well, like I said, her big break was uh, in 85 with the return of the living dead. And so this would have been four years after that. So I think that, yeah, you know, which she, would be, she, you assume a couple movies in, in that time. Yeah. And um, it seems like they were they were working um, around Ginger Lynn Allen mm. more so than anything. You know, yeah, like yeah. just having her in one spot pretty much the whole film. She was kind of the foil, the kind the you know, she wasn't a she was an antagonist, but she not in any way that, you know, ultimately mattered in, in the right. movie. Yeah. Right. Other than a point to come back to yeah you know, to connect I, them to the academy and now i believe that um she was in a few of these um sequels ginger uh-huh. lynn okay um and then weirdly like in the fifth one she as uh, she appears uncredited um hmm. so she must have just done sloan a favor yeah <laughs> i don't know um yeah, interesting, interesting career uh, there for one Ginger Lynn Allen. But obviously Sloan thought, okay, this is going to give this some name recognition with a certain audience. Well, I think too that that it may have kind of assist in paving the way for some some others to break away from the industry and attempt, you know, more uh, sure more normal acting roles. Yeah, as we saw straight to video um, kind of explode in the in the mid to late eighties. Yeah, yeah. You started to see um, some adult stars say, "Hey, I let me try this actual acting thing." Yeah, yeah. And um, and Jerry Lynn gave it a go, and and good for her. <laughs> um, but yeah, she played. She did play uh, the bitchy daughter of the police chief well i suppose you know, she came of off movie. yeah yeah she she came off she she did just what she needed to do um in this film i did like the police chief too who was in the most generic uh police uh outfit for yes. a, for for a police chief that you could imagine i mean it looked like he borrowed it off somebody who was going as a cop for Halloween. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And, and I felt him uh, to be more believable as her dad than as the police of chief. Yep. <laughs> chief of police. Yeah, or in this movie, just the police of chief. Yes, yeah, yeah I mean, it works for this movie. <laughs> and there were no other police in this movie. I mean, I, I guess well, let's give credit where credit is due. Sloan made a six film series uh out of out of this whole mess and he really he i guess he did the most with what he had at his disposal i mean there's only a couple sets um 
the the prostitution spot where the conveyor belt the the, the prostitution conveyor yeah. belt that i referenced earlier um that was the same uh spot where the girls did their kind of strut down mm-hmm. um and so they just returned to that same spot well and in the in the honeycomb maze it, i mean it's just the same sort of corner repeated over and over <laughs> right. again move the boxes around so yeah I, I, he deserves credit i mean he turned this into a six film franchise and then made two hobgoblin movies and they're all i mean all of it's just bad yet here you have this guy who had a, a career i mean made movies you know and there are other movies he made too so had a you know a relatively lengthy career i assume made some money so yeah i have to he, you know tip my hat to that <laughs> i mean he might be the ed wood of um <laughs> Of the USA Up All Night films, we might have <laughs> to uh, hand out some awards uh, after a year and 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 give give out the Ed Wood Award, and it would it would make sense for all the uh, wooden dialogue that was in this film, <laughs> for sure. So yeah, maybe we start a, a side list of of uh, Ed Wood Award candidates, and he's yes. he's number one on the list at the moment. Right now, he is absolutely. Um, okay, so the big question here, Rob, is vice academy worth staying up all night for no 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 part of it is you know there there's not enough stupidity not enough nudity not enough anything to make this a worthwhile endeavor unless unless you're a completist and decide (laughs) to set forth and watch all six then then you have to watch this one yeah um, I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, this is not a movie worth staying up for. The humor isn't funny. It half-heartedly spoofs the Police Academy series, but with you know zero narrative or even casual references to the film that it's actually trying to spoof. Yeah, super low budget and you know not in an endearing way, as we mentioned. Uh, we you know give Rick Sloan a pat on the back for uh, for effort, but definitely. Uh, it was it was arduous yeah. to to watch this film, and it's not you know it's not like it's over long. It, you know it was a you know I think under an hour and a half, so it's not a a lengthy movie to to fight your way through. But it felt like it every bit of. Are it. you sure? It felt like four hours. I thought yeah. it was. <laughs> I thought this is one of those like it had to be released on two VHS cassettes because it was so long. <laughs> I, I guess. And you got to think with covid boredom that you know that shouldn't be an issue like yeah looking for things to to help fill some time and i was like gosh just make this be over says a lot it says a lot um all right well uh let's move on then i want to make it up to you rob so uh you don't know i'm i'm revealing next episode's uh film for the first time to the world and to you so it's a good one. Are you ready? I am. All right. Next episode, we are watching. We are staying up all night for Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, starring hell Rowdy, yeah. Rowdy Piper. <laughs> Quick thoughts on the next movie. Uh, I've seen it. It's been a million years since I've seen it. And I remember it being bad. But, you know, I, I remember just very few details. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot about the movie but you know having roddy piper in it just you know just wearing it they live alone gives him you know the utmost 
credit in my book. So yes, I'm looking forward to, to revisiting uh, this one after we're gonna all talk, this time. We're going to talk about the dance of the three snakes. <laughs> if you remember that scene. Uh, yeah, this will be a fun one for sure. And this is definitely one that um, it it is bad. But uh, if memory serves me correct, and I've got a pretty good memory of this film, it was definitely a so bad it's a good movie. So we'll put it to the test and we'll let you know if it's worth staying up for uh, on our next episode. Until then, thanks for staying up with us. That's going to do it for this episode. You can find us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Still Up Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube page where we have links to the movies we review. I post fun clips and previews of upcoming episodes. We'll be back soon with another beautiful hair movie. This time it'll be Roddy Piper's and Hell Comes to Frogtown from USA Up All Night. Like my old job. Yeah, what'd you do before? Phone sex.